Well, have you ever had anything in your life so important that you rearranged everything to make it work? You know, I'm talking about like your schedule, your finances, maybe your, your whole lifestyle, just to make something happen. People have priorities. We all have priorities, and we do what we must to make those priorities happen. Whenever uh, we first found out that we were going to be having a baby, it was with Ellis. Uh, both Courtney and I were, were working. We'd been married for some time up to that point, And uh, we decided that uh, together that Courtney wanted to, she wanted to stay home with the girls and, and, uh, and, and make that what she wanted to do. So we had to adjust to that. We had to uh, sell our home and, and move into a smaller one, and we had to work our budget differently and make it smaller. We just had to rearrange our lives in order to make what Courtney wanted to do a priority. We had to make it happen. We just had to rearrange. It's something that we do. We, people all the time rearrange their lives to make their priorities happen. And today, we're going to look at priorities and the kingdom of God and how Paul describes what a good soldier is in the kingdom of God. He's, he's talking to, to Timothy about this in 2 Timothy, and, and we see that Jesus is seeking those who are committed to serving him and who seek their approval from him and no one else. So today's a lot about priorities. Today's about what a good soldier is and being committed. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15, we see what it means to be a good soldier of Christ and what it means to be focused and serving the Lord. So we'll be in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 through 15. Paul writes to Timothy, You then, my child, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And what you have heard from me in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to faithful men who will be able to teach others also. Share in suffering as a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits, since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. An athlete is not crowned unless he competes according to the rules. It is the hard-working farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, As preached in my gospel, for which I am suffering, bound with chains as a criminal. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure everything for the sake of the elect, that they may also obtain the salvation that is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. The saying is trustworthy, for if we have died with him, we will also live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. If we deny him, he will also deny us. If we are faithless, he remains faithful. Remind them of these things and charge them before God not to quarrel about words which does no good but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Let's pause for just a a prayer for a moment. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for giving your word to us. And again, Father, I pray that you would open up our hearts 
and that your word, Father, would, would pierce us and would light a fire, the fires of passion to serve you this morning. In your name, amen. So as we look through this, this text, this is uh, 2 Timothy, which is considered to be Paul's last letter. As scholars have tried to line up all the letters that Paul wrote, this is what they think is his last letter before he died. And he's, he's writing it to Timothy, which he has uh, entrusted to go lead the people, lead the church of Ephesus. In 1 Timothy, it's very much an instructional letter, uh, challenging Timothy, you know, the these are the kind of leaders you want to build up around you. This is how you should lead. And he challenges him in 1 Timothy. In 2 Timothy, we see a little bit different tone. First off, Paul has is, is got that, you know, this is kind of like my, my going away, my farewell letter. But also, we see that he's, he's addressing Timothy in such a way that it, it seems to be that Timothy is facing discouragement, is, is facing some, some difficulty in leading the church. And so he spends a lot of time trying to strengthen and encourage Timothy in what he's doing, in his service. And so that's how he starts this, this section of the letter, and where we are in chapter 2. He says, be strengthened by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He's, he's trying to encourage him to not give up, to, to be committed to the task. And today, when we read through this too, I mean, this message is to Timothy, but it's to us who are serving the Lord, because when we serve the Lord, it's not always easy. It's often very difficult, especially when we're trying to lead people and minister to people who are imperfect, because there are so many, it's just, it, we are all broken, and when we serve together, when, we, when we're trying to lead people and serve others, we experience brokenness in those times too. And so Paul is calling Timothy to not give up, and he uses several analogies to, to remind Timothy of his call and of his service, and his priorities. The first we see is the soldier. Now, a soldier, good soldiers are focused on what they are ordered to do, on the mission, on the task. You know, I think back, you know, through American, you know, television and media over the past hundred years or so, we've seen a lot of, kind of a, a parody of what military life is like. You know, you've got, um, like, Hogan's Heroes, and you've got some, some movies that come out like The A-Team. Who, and, you know, it's, it, you see pictures of soldiers who, you know, even in like at the base, they're, they're, they're sitting back and they're, they're kicking back and they're, they're partying or they're, they're, they're having fun and goofing off. But the truth is, is that in the military, soldiers are very focused, especially when they are deployed. There, there's not a lot of that going on when, when they're focused on the task at hand, especially when they're inside of enemy territory when, when they're out in the field. They are focused, and they follow what the commanding officer does, what he asks them to do. They are focused on the task. Timothy would understand this. He knows this, that soldiers are focused on what they are called to do, what they enlisted to serve, what they're doing. Then he goes on to talk about an athlete, and he, he changes the analogy a little bit, and an athlete has rules that he must follow in order to be crowned. In order to win, there, there are guidelines. An athlete must be disciplined. He's got to follow this certain path or he won't win. You watch football and they do something wrong, they throw, they throw a flag, right? And it, it takes away what they've, the yardage that they've accomplished or a touchdown. 
In, in the NBA, you, you, you get fouls called on you. If you're Lance Armstrong and you cheat for all your whole career, then they take all your stuff away from you at the end. Right? I mean, that's, that's what I'm thinking. I, when I think about this passage, I think about those that didn't follow the rules. And now they are, like, their things have been taken away. But the ones that are crowned, the ones that win are those that stay within the rules of the game. They're focused on what they have to do. But then there's also the farmer. He talks about the farmer and he says, It is the hardworking farmer who ought to have the first share of the crops. Now I'll be the first to tell you that I'm not a farmer. In fact, I'm not very much of a gardener. I have what we might call, uh, whatever is the opposite of green, that's the, that's the color of my thumb. Okay, I don't have a green thumb. Last year, I decided once, I was buying some flowers to plant out in front of our house um, because my wife told me to do this. And so I went to do that. And as I was buying the flowers, I saw a blueberry bush. It was $10. I thought, huh, we love blueberries. Each time we buy blueberries, it's usually like 3 or $4 for a little box. But I could buy a $10 bush and have as many blueberries as I wanted. The math was solid, okay? I mean, I had a plan. This was a low investment, high return type of thing. I bought the blueberry bush. I took it home. My wife was like, oh, you, you bought a blueberry bush. I put the blueberry bush in the ground. I even put a little bit of mulch on top of it, and I watered it every now and then. That blueberry bush went in the garbage not long after. It didn't, it didn't make it. What I didn't realize and what I didn't understand about the blueberry bush was that I, you, you don't just put the blueberry bush in the ground. You've got to put fertilizer in the ground. You're supposed to really get more than one blueberry bush to help them cross-pollinate. You've got to water them every day. You've got to take really good care of them. You've got to prune them. You've got to do all this stuff that I didn't do. Because I just thought, I'm going to put a blueberry bush in the ground and get blueberries. Many of you guys are out there thinking, yeah. I have no idea what you were thinking. So, think now, there's no way I would be in charge of a farm with crops. Because good farmers know, and many of you who are out there that, that have experience in farming, you know that crops don't just happen by accident. You don't just do a little bit of work and you have a whole field full of corn. You've got to work very hard to produce a crop that is worth anything. And Paul reminds Timothy of this. The hardworking farmer should get the first share of the crop. It's hard work what we do, but it takes work. It doesn't just happen by accident. So through all this, we see this main idea that the focus of our priorities will determine who we serve and for what we strive. So whatever we're focused on, that's what's going to, to make our life, it's going to point our life to serving who and striving for what. Because you will make time for what you think is important. That's what people will do. If something is important to you, you will make time for it. That's the truth. Just think of like a daily planner. Does anyone out there use a daily planner? I like to use just a yellow notepad, make a list. Um, but a lot of people use a daily planner. We make, you know, we, we schedule 
things. We schedule our week or our days, and we know that like at 10 o'clock, I've got to do this, and at 12 o'clock, I'm going to lunch with this person, and from 1 to 4, I'm doing this. I mean, we've, we've got, we schedule things. As Christians, we must make the Lord the number one focus of our lives, the number one priority. Because if you think about the planner, if you think about scheduling things, the things that are high priority, the things that are important, you will not move. That one o'clock must stay at one o'clock. Or I'm going to have lunch with this person, and I'm not going to miss that lunch. But there are other things in the planner that are more flexible. There are things that if someone calls you and say, hey, I'd like to stop by today at 2 o'clock. Well, you look at your planner, and there may be something at 2 o'clock, but you think, no, this person is more important than this thing on my planner or on my calendar. Yeah, come on by at 2 o'clock. And you push that, you push that either down or up or whatever you have to do. But sometimes someone might call and say, hey, I I need to come by and see you. Can I come by at 10 o'clock? And you've got something more important at 10 o'clock or a high priority. They say, no, I'm not available at 10 o'clock. Can you come by another time? The problem with, with, with us so many, so many times is that God is flexible in our daily planner. We push him around and let other things take precedent. You will make time for what you think is important. But what could be more important than serving the Lord? We forget that. We lose sight of that. But Paul, is, and he's, he's brilliant because he goes on. And he reminds Timothy of what is important. As we look again, if we look back in verse 8, he says, Remember Jesus Christ, risen from the dead, the offspring of David, as preached in my gospel. To have the right focus in our lives, we must remember whom and why we serve. Too many times we get caught up in the, in the serving of the Lord, and we forget the Lord. We forget why we're doing it. And Paul even reminds Timothy, he says, remember Jesus. Remember what he's done. Remember who he is. Remember that you're, you're, not, you're not serving these people first. You're not serving me, Paul, first, but you are serving Jesus, the Lord. He is the ultimate person that you are serving. Not only are you serving him, but you're serving someone so powerful that in verse 9 we see that no chain can bind the word of God. The word of God is not bound. It's not only that you're serving the Lord, but what you're doing is powerful. It has power. It may be hard, but it has power. And then I love this. Paul, Paul likes to do this in a lot of his letters. He says that this saying is trustworthy, and he talks about, the faithfulness of Christ. Even when we are faithless, He is faithful. Even when we falter, Jesus does not give up on us. Now if you see there in verse 12, it says, if we deny Him, He will also deny us. Then he goes on, if we are faithless, He remains faithful. And Paul's denying and faithless, those are two different ideas that Paul is talking there. And again, this is a saying that Paul is quoting and he's using. But the idea of being faithless is that sometimes we aren't always committed. That Jesus does not give up on us. We must never forget that we serve the Lord above anyone else. 
that when you're serving here in First Baptist Chickasha, you're not serving Michael. You're not serving Doug. You're not serving Cody. You're not serving a minister. You're not, you are serving and you are leading other people and you're, you're ministering to other people, but ultimately you are serving the Lord. We must never forget that. Our motivation should always be what Jesus has done and who he is. The sacrifice that he made for us. When I was preparing through this and reading through this, I thought of the movie Saving Private Ryan. The premise of the movie, as many of you know, is that Private Ryan is the, the last of his siblings. His other brothers have, have passed away and, and they've been killed. And, and they're taking Private Ryan back home because they, so his family won't die out and be killed off completely. But Private Ryan is uh, deep in enemy territory, and so his, his uh, company's got to take him out of there and deliver him back. And so along the way, it's dangerous. Uh, people die, his friends die, just to save him, just to get him home. And as his commanding officer is dying, he pulls Ryan in, and he says, earn this. Earn this. And it shows at the end of the movie, Private Ryan's a, a, grown, a grown man. He's in, his, he's in his late years and he's at the grave of his commanding officer. And he asks his, he asks his wife, he's like, did I live a, a good life? I mean, did I earn it? Did I make the most of this? And our motivation for serving shouldn't be guilt Someone guilts us into serving. It shouldn't be this obligation, well, I've got to do it. It, it. it even shouldn't be this kind of obligation to a cause, but Jesus gave his life so that we could live. We should want to, we should want to show the same sacrifice in our lives as we serve others because of what Jesus has done. But then, as Paul continues this idea, he reminds Timothy that our approval must come from Jesus and not from others. If you look in verse 14, he says, Remind them of these things, charge them before God not to quarrel about words, which does no good, but only ruins the hearers. Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved. This phrase, do your best, is, uh, is an, an accurate translation from Greek to English. But it had, it's, it's pretty flexible that it can be translated in a few different ways. One way that you can translate it is to make every effort or do whatever it takes to present yourself approved by God. Whatever you have to do, do it. A worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. God's approval keeps our focus, our priorities in check. If we're seeking to serve the Lord and gain his approval. Because if we're trying to gain the approval of other people, that's a very, very bad trap that we'll never get out of. Because the problem with seeking the approval from other people is that it'll never happen. We're imperfect people. And if we're trying to serve them perfectly... That doesn't match up. But if we're serving the Lord, if we're, if we're running after Him, 
then our heart will truly be fulfilled. Think about this in trying to make others happy. If you uh, have an iPhone today, an Apple phone, even a smartphone, because it happens with more than just Apple, but I think about Apple because Apple's rolling out this new watch called the iWatch. Has anyone heard of the iWatch? It's basically, uh, if you're older in the crowd today, it's a, it's, it's a Dick Tracy watch is what it is. So um, it's a watch that you can call people on, you can receive text messages on, you can get on the internet with. I mean, it's a watch that you can do everything with. It used to be you had a computer that you could do everything with. Then it turned to a phone you could do everything with. And now we need a watch. We don't need a phone. I mean, we got to have something else to do everything with. Well, it's a pretty, and then Google's been trying to make glasses that you can do everything with. So one day you're going to buy a pair of socks for $400 <laughs> that'll check your email. And you know what? You're going to think, I've got to have those socks. Those eye socks are going to be great. I'm going to get the special edition eye socks, the gold ones. When that first came out, I thought, who's going to buy that watch? Because, I mean, it's cool, but it's also expensive. I mean, it, it starts at $350 and goes up from there. And I thought, man, who's going to pay that for a watch? They had one million iWatches on pre-order before they even came out. A million people wanted that watch. Because Apple convinced the world, you need this watch. You need it. You need the world at your wrist. And in your pocket. And on your desk. We are never happy. We, we are never pleased. We want and want and want. I'm really guilty of this. Because, I mean, I'm that way with guitars. I'm never really happy. I just want more. It's, I'm having going through counseling for it. But we all, we're, we're never pleased. You will never make everyone happy all the time. And if you live your life trying to make people happy all the time, you are going to be the one that is the most upset. Because you will be empty. But God, he's not people. He seeks, uh, he wants our faithfulness. And even when we aren't that, he is still faithful. That's what God's approval means. We don't have to earn it, but he loves us. So when Timothy is challenged by Paul to be approved by God, it's not like we are trying to gain his approval, but it's about serving him and fulfilling the call. Because when, we're, when, we, when we strive after that, that actually is fulfilling for us. Now, there's a flip side on this, because we think about not, you know, not going for the approval of others and not trying to, like, make that the focus of our life. But then we think about striving after the Lord and, and, and serving Him. So if you're not serving a pastor or a minister or, or someone like that, you're not serving a person, when you say no to serving, you're not telling a pastor or a person, no, I'm not going to serve. You're telling the Lord no. You're telling, no, God, I'm not going to serve there. Now, I, I don't want to put that as a blanket statement because 
God isn't calling us to serve everywhere that maybe we get asked to, but he's calling you to serve. If you're here today and you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, he is calling you to serve. And many of us are saying no. And we're not saying no to people, but we're saying no to the Lord. Timothy was challenged to continue on. He was getting ready to say, no, I'm done. This is it. I'm over. But he didn't do that. So think about, are you telling God no? Is there something today that God is calling you to? And you know it. You've been wrestling with it. But you've been saying no. And you won't give in and surrender and say, God, yes. I will serve you. So we see that a good soldier keeps his focus on the mission and what his commanding officer says. He's focused. He knows what his priorities are. God is calling us to serve him, and our focus must be in the right place. And this, isn't, this is not just also about serving the Lord, but in our lives... Where is our focus? Where are our priorities? If our priorities are in the right spot in our lives, that, that, that changes everything. This week in my life was very hectic for a lot of reasons. And my schedule and to-do list got wide out the window, okay? Everything was bumped all around. The priorities in which we, I mean, and I had to, I had to assess in, the, in that time of chaos, in this time of chaos, what is priority one? And in our lives, if we don't have the right priorities, because life is going to come and shuffle everything out in the, in the deck. One day you're going to have this day that just falls apart. And wherever your priorities are, that's what's going to root you. That's what's, that's what's going to hold your life in either a firm foundation or a foundation that's a sand. So we have to ask ourselves, where are our priorities just in life? What am I arranging my life around? What am I striving after? What is my focus? So today, as we bring this message to a close, what I'd like us to do is spend the next few minutes in asking the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts about what our focus truly is. And I don't want this to be another time when we just, okay, it's time for the invitation, time to shut it down. I'm asking you to spend an honest time with God right now and ask him where your priorities really are. What are you arranging your life around? Are you saying no to him when he's calling you to serve? Maybe he's calling you right now just to give your life to him. Maybe you know that... You know, I've been, I've been going to church, or I'm here at church today, and I've been trying to be a good person, but I've never given my life to Christ. I've been trying to do it myself. Maybe you're wrestling with that, and you're telling God no in that. Maybe today you need to give your life to Jesus and say yes to him. Because we don't earn it from the Lord. We put our faith in what Jesus has already done. So, I'm going to invite Cody and the worship team to come up and prepare us for our time of invitation. As we 
start today, though, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask that we don't sing just for a little bit, just to have us bow our heads and close our eyes and spend a few moments asking the Lord to speak to our hearts. So I'm going to invite you to do that right now. If you would, just please bow your head and close your eyes, and, and we're going to spend just a, a few moments in prayer asking the Lord to show us where our priorities are, and is there something that we are running from? Is God calling us to serve in a way that we have said no before, but now we need to say yes? So we'll spend a few moments in prayer, then we'll, we'll close after that.